The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. We are so glad you've taken the time to download the Dawson Tones of John Boccasino. That's myself, our host, along with my fellow host, Jamie D'Amico. Uh, we are proud to bring you the latest and greatest Buffalo Bills news each and every week as part of the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. And you know, it hit me this morning, Jamie, that something really crazy is going to happen uh, two weeks from today when we're recording this. We're going to wake up and it's going to be a Buffalo Bills game day. How weird does that feel? It, it, I just don't I don't feel like I'm ready for uh, I, I'm ready for football. I don't know if football is going to go off without a hitch, but it just doesn't feel like I don't know this this season's. Saying it's a weird feeling is is understating um, what weird means, but I just don't, I don't know. I don't feel like we're two weeks away and it's because we haven't had preseason games. You know, the press hasn't been able to freely report on what's happening at One Bills Drive. It's such a weird year. 2020 Buffalo Bills 53-man roster projection that we've been teasing for a couple of weeks with regards to this topic here, Jamie, because like I said during the intro, we are less than two weeks or two weeks from today. The Bills are hosting the Jets at Bills Stadium. Still sounds weird to say that. Sure does. Uh, <laughs> not Marv Levy Stadium, not any sort of dedication to hopefully they come up with a much better. Maybe that's a topic we'll do one of these days, too, is speculating on what the Bills should name uh, their stadium uh, besides the generic Bills. Um, yeah, so we we in two weeks, pro football, the Bills have to get their roster in. They've, they, they're continuing to make cuts. Uh, we'll get into a couple of cuts they made earlier this week, but the Bills have to get down uh, and need a 53-man roster by September 5th. And, you know, Jamie, in these days of COVID, there is more challenges than ever in constructing a roster. So I thought it'd be really fun for you and I to don and do our best uh, Brandon Bean uh, impersonations here of, of predicting what the 53-man roster will look like for the 2020 Bills. So we're going to go through for the fans and go position by or group by group We'll give you our quarterbacks, our running backs, our wide receivers, our tight ends, et cetera, through the list until we have 53 players on the roster. We encourage you guys to give your feedback on our thoughts, what we missed, 
what we hit on. Uh, we'll talk about who were some of the last players to make the roster, who are some of the first few that are on the outside looking in. And uh, we'll, we'll have some fun here with our podcast, Jamie. So I feel like the only natural place to begin is quarterback. And we all know this is Josh Allen's team. So I assume we're both penciling Josh Allen in as a starter. But I want to hear from you who you're keeping on the team. And more importantly, how many are you keeping at the quarterback spot? Well, uh, let me preface this by saying I wish that they had better than than Matt Barkley as the backup quarterback. I just don't see him winning games for you. You know, if Josh Allen goes down for a month in the season, can you see Matt Barkley winning more than one of the three games? I, I'm not sure I do. Um, but I don't. I don't. I've, I've gone off the Matt Barkley wagon. I am not comfortable at all with him. The only thing you can hope for is that if somebody else cuts another quarterback who might have some potential, you know, the Bills can scoop him up. But there's nobody out there. There's just nobody so I feel like it's the best of a really bad situation keeping Barkley for this year. Probably. Um, you know, if you think you're contending for a a Super Bowl, maybe that's when you pick up the the real high-end Byron Leftwich types out there. Uh, but at this point, they have to make sure that, that Josh Allen is the unquestionable starter. And that's why they're keeping Matt Barkley as their backup. And when it comes to numbers, they're only keeping one backup. In my view, Davis Webb never really had a chance to make the team. And Jake Fromm, just not hearing that he's all that spectacular. He doesn't, we know he doesn't have the arm, but it sounds like his timing has been off. I don't think he does enough to make the team, especially given the controversy he had. I I think they're going with two quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Matt Barkley, and hope that one of those two guys that gets cut makes it back to the practice squad, and that's probably going to be Davis Webb. So, Jamie, we have our first disagreement already on the 53-man roster, and I love it because I think we're going to have some good opinions here back and forth. I'm keeping three quarterbacks on the active roster. I'm keeping Josh Allen. I'm keeping Matt Barkley, and I went back and forth on this for a while. I want the Bills to keep three quarterbacks because of the COVID-19 outbreak. I know you can promote somebody from the practice squad uh, if you want, uh, if there's an emergency, if one of the quarterbacks contracts a virus, I wanted Jake Fromm to have a chance to earn his way onto the roster with a solid uh, training camp. He has not done that. He has been underwhelming other than some middle distance throws. Uh, he really has had accuracy problems. He does not have a strong arm, like you said, to get the ball downfield. So I am going to go wild card and say Davis Webb makes the roster as a third quarterback. Wow. I know that they love him. They say he's got all the makings of being uh, an excellent coach. And that certainly is the kind of guy that McDermott likes having around. I I can see that, them wanting them around, uh, wanting him around. Um, and that's why I'm keeping him, honestly, Jamie, is because of the fact that he does have the mental fortitude to he, he's been studying the playbook for almost two years now when he came over basically in the beginning of September of 2019 um, he's had interest from other teams so I don't think you could push him through the practice squad just because I feel like teams are going to want to have a third quarterback given how valuable that position is on the NFL field he was a former third round pick he has a strong arm he still has the talent out there to compete. And the fact that he's clearly played better than Jake Fromm, that to me is one of my surprises, but I'm sticking with it because I think he could really reward the Bills faith 
as a third quarterback. You need a third quarterback this year, I feel like. Now, since I took the heat for going, uh, giving you the quarterbacks first, I will give you my running back breakdown here. And my running backs, I'm keeping, I'm combining the running backs and I am keeping a fullback uh, as one of these spoilers here because Brian Dable seems to love the fullback in his roster positions. Obviously, Devin Singletary is a lock. Zach Moss is a lock. Taiwan Jones is a lock, I think, because of his special teams contributions. I still have a soft spot for TJ Yeldon. Um, don't ask me why it's irrational, but I believe that he can still be a valuable you know, contributor. And I'm going with training camp stud Reggie Gilliam as my fullback over the veteran Pat DeMarco, both to save money for the 2021 cap, which, by the way, I'm giving a lot of credit to Jamie D and the Big Newt for their podcast. They did a great job. If you haven't heard uh, Jamie D and Big Newt, they were talking about salary cap ramifications for 2021. Uh, Some of the moves the Bills have done to make themselves in a better position moving forward. And that's why I'm keeping Gilliam over DeMarco. Look, DeMarco's a great leader. He's a good locker room presence. He can be a a target on a pass 40 yards downfield out of the backfield as a fullback. But I like what the Toledo product Reggie Gilliam has shown in practice. I think the Bills wouldn't miss a beat by keeping him on the roster. So he is my fifth of the running backs and fullbacks. He, you know, I've really gone back and forth on him because what I'm hearing, I really like. And it sounds like when, when you consider Patrick DeMarco it's a guy who gets 15% of the offensive snaps. So it's not really an offensive weapon that he represents. It's more of a special teams and leadership kind of guy. And I feel like that can go, you can get that other places. But I, I feel like the, I feel like I would be looking at this position very differently if this were a normal season. Uh, but for I specifically for cap hygiene reasons, and that's by the way that that's a phrase that I want to coin is cap salary cap hygiene. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I would love to get rid of T.J. Eldon and Patrick Demarco, but I just don't think that they're going to do it this year because I I don't think that they have enough tape on other players where they can grab somebody off of waivers off of somebody else's scrap heap and plug them in. Look, running back is not a difficult position to find a good player. Do I want my number three running back making over a million dollars a season? Probably not. I want my number three back to be a developmental guy who can perhaps give me some good plays out there. So I want to cut TJ Yeldon and I want to cut Patrick DeMarco. But I'm not going to. I'm going to keep. Uh, I'm going to keep both of those guys along with Singletary, Moss, and Taiwan Jones. Nice, good rationale there. You've got a good, solid backfield out there for for the Buffalo Bills. Why don't you transition to the wide receivers then? There's a lot. This is probably, in my humble opinion, besides the defensive line, the most contentious battle for roster spots on this squad. Okay, so. The Buffalo Bills, I'm going to base this on the fact that the Buffalo Bills do not like to cut draft picks. So obviously, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, not only are they locks to make the roster, but they're one of the best trios in the NFL, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of a lot of people. Gabriel Davis has shown fairly well the fourth round pick. Now, this is where it starts getting questionable, I'm going to say, because there's a lot of players who can vie for the final two or three positions. 
So how are we going to go about that? Well, I think that if you look at the players that they have on the roster right now and that they're brought in in, in this offseason, they're looking really firmly and in particular at special teams performance. So I think that's going to be the uh, the safe place for Andre Roberts to make the team. I think he's. I, I think if they weren't planning on keeping him, they wouldn't have brought in Medikevich and Taiwan Jones. So then that leaves one to two more places. They love their. They love their draft picks. I I think Isaiah Hodgins, the sixth round pick, or was he a seventh round pick? Uh, Hodgins was sixth. Sixth round pick Isaiah Hodgins brings something to the team that nobody else does, which is height. And are they going to? keep a seventh if they do it's going to be isaiah mckenzie but i don't think i don't think he's quite going to make it i i think that he may be the kind of guy who ends up on the practice squad he was on the field a lot last year just didn't contribute an awful lot um and then that leaves uh robert foster and duke williams i know how much you loved robert foster i don't think he has a prayer this year and duke williams uh pretty good but here's the thing they talk about him making contested catches. To me, that just says he's not getting open. There's That's a valuable point, Jamie. The separation the receivers need to be able to create uh, is one of the things that Duke Williams does not have uh, as well on his resume, I feel like, uh, compared to some of the other candidates on the roster. And I, I'm not going to repeat what you said because you nailed it in a nutshell with your summary of the wide receiver position. All I will say is, do the Bills keep seven or six wide receivers? I don't think they keep seven. I think that there's other spots on this team where there is a greater need um, for positional depth. I feel I'm with you. It's Diggs, it's Brown, it's Beasley, it's Andre Roberts. And I'm saying Davis and Isaiah Hodgins round out the wide receiver core. If Robert Foster, man, he crushed me last year. He absolutely defeated me. I mean, like, what he did two years ago and then to come out and contribute, what, seven total catches or something like that last year was flattening and disappointing. But And he has a concussion this year during training camp, so he is definitely on the outside. I see McKenzie and Williams both getting cut. If they do keep seven receivers, I think McKenzie would make the roster. Uh, Brian Dable has, a, uh, has an affinity for his uh, ability to be used again on those jet sweeps and his versatility out of the backfield and the quick little drag routes. But you're paying him $2 million plus dollars when you've got a sixth rounder like Hodgins, who is very talented, and training camp darling Gabriel Davis is a fourth rounder out of Central Florida. I think the Bills keep those six wide receivers, and Mackenzie Foster and Williams are on the outside looking for work. And I don't think the Bills can sneak through Duke Williams on the practice squad either. I think he's too much of a name and a commodity with his talents out there that someone would snap him up before the bills could put him through to the expanded practice squad. Quick question. Uh, we know that Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator loves the jet sweep, at least the, the option of the jet sweep who takes that place this year. Boy, that is a great question. And I don't necessarily know that I have an answer. Um, cause I, you know, as we all know, we love to cover the bills from afar, but we have not been at training camp to watch the practice highlights so I don't really feel comfortable giving an answer because I don't know who would fill that role. Um, I mean, Stefan Diggs is somebody who has definitely done well uh, running the ball out of the backfield in his career. But do you put your number one receiver in that extra intensity role of getting hit 
uh, by taking jet sweeps. I just don't know. Um, maybe it's somebody like a Gabriel Davis who has the speed and the wherewithal coming out of central Florida. He might be somebody who could step up and take that role too. So what do you think? Who's your candidate to replace the value of McKenzie? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Andre Roberts. Uh, you know, I don't see him getting too many snaps, but being that his his primary job is running with the ball in the open field, I, I think maybe that's a transferable skill set. Uh, but you'll probably see a, a number of different uh, receivers taking taking their turns. Cole Beasley's got the quickness, though I don't want him being hit by linebackers. And yeah, God, same, no. same thing. <laughs> yeah, same, same thing that you said with uh, with Diggs. I don't want that happening too often. But you know, a lot of times the Bills are using that just as a fake in order to hold the the middle linebackers in place. So, eh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, it's it's a good question to consider out there, and I'm glad that we had a chance to kind of delve into it a little bit because that is again one of those gadget plays and gadget weapons that the Bills have that Brian Dable and Brian Dable had such high praise for Isaiah McKenzie in a story I read recently that uh, Sal Mayorana from the Democrat Chronicle put together talking about just the value that McKenzie brings. But Hodgins is a cheaper, younger, frankly, higher upside guy uh, than McKenzie. So that's why, again, I think we're in lockstep that it's going to be McKenzie on the outside uh, looking in when it comes to the wide receiver room. The tight ends, Jamie, um, there's a lot to like, and there's some question marks on, on this position as well as to how many of the bills are going to keep. I will go first and give you my thoughts on the tight ends. And I will say I have the bills keeping four of them with an asterisk. Uh, the asterisk being Tommy Sweeney on the pup, the physically unable to perform list. Um, they want to hang on to their, their, their guy out of Boston college who they feel still has a lot of upside at the tight end spot. So he's the fourth with an asterisk. Cause I think he's basically uh, done um, maybe not all season with his foot injury, but for a majority of it, my three I'm keeping. And I went back and forth on this one a lot too. Dawson Knox slam dunk Tyler Croft. He's going to be there. Whether you like his cap number or not, whether you like the injury history or not, the bills are not giving up on Tyler Croft with the money they've invested, especially for the 2020 season. And yeah, they've my, guaranteed his salary for this season. Oh, you're absolutely right. They've guaranteed the salary. He's going to be here. I still think he's going to have a great bounce back season if he can stay healthy. Again, that's the ultimate if, but I think he's got a lot to perform and prove this year. And my third tight end, I'm going back to the well, Jamie. Jason Kroom is going to be on the roster. Whoa, Jason Kroom. Why him? Honestly, I read a piece that uh, Joe Biscalia had done for The Athletic. And then I also heard Sal Capaccio talking about him. We're just name dropping Buffalo writers everywhere on this podcast here today. They were saying that Kroom has had a really impressive training camp, that Josh Allen and him have had a lot of good rapport and have some good snaps and repetitions going back and forth. And look, if, if you think I had a crush on Robert Foster, a second crush I had was on Kroom for his talent and his size and what he showed in limited capacity for the Bills a couple of years ago. If he's fully healthy, I like him way more than Lee Smith, uh, by far, Mr. Holding Penalty, Mr. You know, missed blocking assignments. I will go with Knox, I will go with Croft, and I'll go with Kroom as my tight end. So you were crushing on Jason Kroom, as was one of the Pagula daughters for a while. Now, they broke hey up. <laughs> they broke up, so I figured that was the end of the line for him. How long has he been in training camp? Is it going on like seven years now? 
That guy seems to never go anywhere. Yeah, he feels like a guy who got his like red shirt and then his sixth year of eligibility, and he's just never quite graduated to the level of stardom that he uh, he should. But look, the Bills owe him nothing in salary cap space whatsoever. And we talk about the roster spots when it comes down to those last spots. You want somebody that has either great positional flexibility or a really solid low contract with a lot of high upside. And to me, Kroom kind of fits that bill. So Lee Smith is the one that I was sort of leaning toward only because they, they seem to love him. I would prefer to see him let go in, uh, you know, both because it seems like he must be losing a step with all of those holding penalties that he got last year, which was horrible. He is a great blocker. I've seen some film on him. He does things that you would expect an offensive tackle to do. But, hey, let's go back to this term again, salary cap hygiene. I would much rather save his uh, million-dollar cap hit or cap savings and bring that over into next year. Jason Kroom, though, is almost exclusively a receiving tight end. So do we have enough blockers on the team? I, You know, I, I feel like I don't really want to commit in this one. I just... My gut tells me that they're going to keep Lee Smith for reasons that don't exactly include the football field. That's a valuable take, though, Jamie. I mean, I'll give it up to you for sure. I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, in theory, Lee Smith is a good blocking tight end in theory. I'm just saying in in practice, you know, the results weren't there for what the expectations were when it came to his performance on the field in 2019. From what I'm hearing, though, too, again, I say that phrase uh, very vaguely, but from the reports you read, from what you hear out of training camp, Dawson Knox has really taken it upon himself to get better in the blocking game. And if he can do that, that's going to be a a really big boon for this team. And and Tyler Croft is not a slouch when it comes to blocking either. Um, You know, he was a a pretty solid pass blocker uh, when it came to his time in Cincinnati. And I feel like with the Bills here, he could be somebody he's not going to ever be known for his blocking prowess, but I don't think he's the liability that some fans might make him out to be. So I, I think that Jason Kroom probably brings a, another aspect, which is the ability to play on special teams because he is big and athletic. So, you know, that may put him a leg up. So you may have something there that, that'll be interesting. But speaking of interesting, that brings us over to the next position group. And honestly, to me, this is the most difficult one to try to make heads or tails of. The offensive line. Oh God, there's a lot of people vying for roster spots here. They're they're really oh my God, Jamie. Is there ever? There's a ton of uh there's a ton of guys who I consider to be very similar in skill set. And if you took the names off of the back of their jerseys and swapped A with B, could you really tell a difference? I mean, they're very they're they all could play multiple positions. It seems like there's a lot of just, I don't know. I'm with you. The offensive line keeps me up at night. There's definitely some issues on this roster. I feel like we're all going to agree, you and me, that Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morse, Brian Winters, Cody Ford, even though you hate him, Quentin Spain and uh, Ty and Shecky are most, well, maybe not Ty and Shecky, but I'll, I'll, I'll be so bold to say that at least Dawkins, Spain, Morse, Winters, and Ford are on your list as offensive linemen who are locks to make the roster. Excellent guess. And Inseki specifically, because I don't think anybody else has the ability to back up left tackle. I don't think anybody else has the foot speed. I think they need to keep Inseki on the roster for that reason. Smart move out there. I think that he, yeah, his versatility and the left tackle spot, especially 
the Bills need someone who can can step up, and if anything happens to Dion, uh, step in and, and replicate his his productivity. So, what it comes down to for me, Jamie, it's a numbers game of who I'm keeping out of the five. I'm going to say right now, my offensive line unit. I have ten offensive linemen for the Bills uh, to be keeping this year, which you know might seem like a lot. Most people have them going with nine, but I feel like in this day and age of COVID and how susceptible the big boys could get. Uh, to the virus, I want to make sure I have as many capable offensive linemen as possible on the offensive line as a, a stable of people to choose from. So beyond Dawkins, Spain, Morse, Winters, Cody Ford, and Inshecki, I'm keeping Daryl Williams. I'm keeping Evan Bame. I'm keeping Ryan Bates. And I really was hoping that the Bills would find room for Trey Adams um, the undrafted rookie out of Washington as their 10th offensive lineman. He has underwhelmed tremendously from everything I've read um, from the preseason, from the training camp reports out there by the writers. And I'd love, maybe they can sneak him out of the practice squad. They probably could uh, because of the fact that he did go undrafted. He has not had a really good camp so far. So with that being said, I'm going um, John Feliciano. I forgot about him too. Obviously he's got to be the, the 10th of my linemen out there. So I have some tough cuts. Uh, I have Ike Botker on the outside looking in. I've got Trey Adams on the outside looking in. But for me, I'm keeping Bates, Bame, Dawkins, Feliciano, Ford, Morse, and Shecky, Spain, Daryl Williams, and Brian Winters. What do you say about this? That is, that's exactly the group that I'm keeping as well. Um, Bame would not have made the roster if it not for John Feliciano being injured, but they need somebody who can back up at the center position and BAME has that versatility. Ryan Bates, everything that I have read seems to state that Ryan Bates is improving. Now, he may be one of the first people cut, but we'll get to that later if if they have a need at another position. But now what they do with that group of 10, that's going to be interesting. Typically teams only have maybe eight or possibly nine offensive linemen on the roster, and they really only keep seven active on game day. So we're likely to see you know three offensive linemen not dressing on Sundays. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see who gets sat and and who ends up with the jersey on their back on game day. Yeah, there's brand new rules, obviously, for how many people they can dress. The rosters are expanded for game days, I believe, to 48 uh, versus the 46. But even then, yeah, a lot of these players, again, I say this with a caveat that I'm doing this as an insurance policy for the Buffalo Bills. I'm doing this to make sure that we've got our bases covered with the offensive linemen, because, again, it's really going to need to come down to if someone has to step in and pinch hit when there is a uh, an issue, when there is an injury that comes in or possibly a, a virus infection, you've got to have enough bodies who can step up and, and, and keep things going for the line. So that's why I was giving my my 10-person projection. And of course, Jamie, I'm not surprised we're on the same page with those guys. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, transitioning to the other side of the trenches, the defensive ends and the defensive line, there is some pretty high-quality talent on this side of the ball that might not make the 53-man roster, according to uh, to what we've been hearing from, from the Bills and their, their reporters. Where do you stand? What is your assessment on who's going to make the, the, the 53 from the defensive line? Man, this is a this is a deep position this year, and it sounds like the, the competition on – on the defensive end spot of the line has been particularly good. So let's start with the locks, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, um, AJ Epinesa. Obviously they're going to be there. Uh, Quentin Jefferson just got, um, just got signed. So they're keeping him Ed Oliver is a first round pick. Harrison Phillips is coming off of an injury, but played tremendous last year and they didn't sign Vernon Butler just to cut him. So that leaves, oh, a couple of positions where they've got some decisions to make. I imagine that they're going to keep one more defensive end and possibly two. But they're going to try really hard to sneak people through to their uh, practice squad here. So to me, it's coming down to Daryl Johnson versus Brian Cox Jr., who seems to consistently be getting to the quarterback from everything that we're reading. So Daryl Johnson was on the roster last year. He's incredibly athletic, especially for his size. The problem he had was the dude was bad against outside runs because he crashed to the inside on every single running play to the point where they benched him. After after that Eagles game, they pretty much pointed to him and Ed Oliver being the reason that the Eagles ran all over the Bills in Orchard Park, and they said, you guys have a lot to learn. So, ooh, that's a toughie. But I think that they're going to keep Daryl Johnson on the roster. And Vincent Taylor is having a pretty good camp at defensive tackle, but I don't think that they can sneak him through this year because they have guys like Quentin Jefferson who can also line up a defensive tackle. So I think that they're going to try to sneak Vincent Taylor through to the practice squad, even though he's been solid in camp. It, yeah, Jamie, I mean, I look, I'm not going to repeat what you said because you nailed it. I really feel like outside of agreeing on who gets that last defensive line spot, I to me, it more comes down to Brian Cox Jr. has had a really good training camp. I think Mike Love is going to make decisions very tough on the Bills brass for who they keep because he had two sacks for what that's worth uh, during the intra-squad scrimmage on Thursday. He has had a high motor. He's been getting after guys from everything you can tell. The problem is it's a numbers crunch. I, I have the Bills keeping the following defensive ends. Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Quinton Jefferson, A.J. Epinesa, and Daryl Johnson. Who do you notice that I left out of that group? There's a glaring omission that we both did here. That would be Trent Murphy and his seven or eight million dollar cap hit this year. Bye bye, Trent Murphy. You know, as much as like the Bills could use him, 
Um, I don't think they're going to keep him this year. I think especially with the fact that the teams are looking forward to potentially a, a salary cap of 175 next year, they could take the $7.3 million approximately that Trent Murphy is owed, roll it over to next year. And I would much rather have that money go towards getting a long-term extension for either Milano or Trey White getting locked up than I would have Trent Murphy playing you know, roughly 30 to 35% of the snaps on defense for one season. It was a little bit of a tough decision for me, but then when I read that and put two and two together, it's like, you know what? Bye-bye, Trent Murphy. I would much rather have him be outside looking in and save that money. Do you think that there's any possibility he signs for a veteran, he signs for a veteran minimum to stay on the Bills? Uh, look, I wouldn't complain if that happened, but I just I got to imagine coming off of how strong he finished the season last year, especially with the loss to the Texans in the playoffs. I think he thinks he can still play at a high level, and if he gets cut, I think he's going to go elsewhere. I agree. I agree. He's not going to make tremendously more, but somebody's going to have seen the sacks against uh, the Texans in the playoffs and say, hey, this guy's worth three, four million dollars to us. And no, you're absolutely right. I think that he will he will find a home elsewhere. And I would love it. Ideally, if the Bills could push through both uh, Vincent Taylor and one of the following Mike Love or Brian Cox Jr. onto the practice squad, I think they can get Taylor through to the practice squad. I'm not quite sure as much with Love, who has been a several season uh, sp- uh, training camp phenomenon where he's had several good performances in back to back training camps with the Bills and Brian Cox Jr. I'm not really quite sure his reputation around the league besides being the son of Brian Cox as to whether they could sneak him through or not. But I'm going to go with eight on the defensive line at Oliver Harrison Phillips and Vernon Butler at the DTs. And Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Quinton Jefferson, AJ Epinesa, and Daryl Johnson at the DEs with Trent Murphy being a, a cut and the Bills rolling over that money to 2021. Now, Jamie, for the linebacking core, you kind of mentioned this and we've had some fun on past podcasts about how top heavy the linebackers are. But beyond that, the depth is not as solid as we'd like it to be given the fact that if anything happens to Tremaine Edmonds, this unit changes its complexion dramatically. How many linebackers are you keeping? First of all, I'm going to go with six. It probably would have been five, but Matikavich is, he's required to be on the roster, even though he's not cut out to take the field as a backup linebacker. Yeah, I, I I don't think that he in any way, shape, or form, if the Bills have to trot him out there for serious long-term minutes as, as a linebacker and snaps as a linebacker, I think we're in trouble. I really don't like what he brings on the linebacking side defensively, but he is a special team standout, so the Bills clearly valued that. And I, it goes without saying that the locks for linebackers are Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, A.J. Klein, and Matikavich. The question comes down to how deep do you want to go after those four? Are you going to keep five? I think they at least are keeping Voshan Joseph. He's my, you know, I feel this way, underrated uh, guy who could be a good developmental prospect. I think Voshan Joseph makes the roster as a fifth linebacker. And then what does it come down to? Who stands out to you amongst Tyrell Dodson or Corey Thompson? I feel like we've been saying the Thompson bit for, again, same thing with Jason Kroom, waiting for him to explode and have a great regular season and making an impact? Or do you go for the unknown of Tyrell Dodson uh, as your, as your extra linebacker? I think Thompson has the edge, but I don't know if it's that 
uh, that big of a difference between those two playmakers. Well, I'm I'm shaping this up to be different than that. I've got at this point Tyrell Dodson being a lock to make the roster. Seems to be the guy that they're talking about every day, and it seems that Joe Buscalia over at the Athletic seems to particularly like him. Um, the player who I think is not going to make it is Voshan Joseph, despite being a superior athlete. The knock on him has always been that he just does not have great instincts. And I feel like he has had a couple of good days, but he's not around the ball as much as he should and not nearly as much as Tyrell Dodson has been. I think you end up with Corey Thompson taking his place to be the sixth linebacker. And maybe they hope that they can get Joseph through the practice squad, but I am under the impression he hasn't earned his spot. That's a that's a hot take right there because, and I, I am reading a piece that Piscalia put out there where he's talking about how versatile Dodson can be. He can play outside linebacker or a middle linebacker. Um, he there we're still not sure what the special teams ability will be to contribute, but no, I, I'm all for Dodson getting a chance to be on the roster. And if they keep six and they happen to be Dodson and Joseph, I would love for that to be the combination. No offense to Corey Thompson, I just kind of feel like his story's kind of been told already. Whereas, you know, these two are kind of the unknown still. We still don't know what exactly they're going to be able to, to bring due to either health issues in the past or a lack of opportunity. But this could be their year during COVID. I I desperately want them to find some young talent that has starting potential at the linebacker position. It just doesn't, to me, it doesn't look deep enough. Now, Maybe Terrell Dodson is getting himself to the point where he might actually push AJ Klein for some playing time. But that's, you know, the strong side linebacker is not somebody who's on the field an awful lot in today's NFL. So eh, they, they they need to add to the talent there. With you, I'm with you entirely on that one there. Hopefully the Bills can continue. Because, yeah, it's all about adding young talent and young depth to compete for the roster spots and make the, the bo- you want the, the bottom of the roster to be as solid as it can. And I think we're building a really nice roster, Jamie, for our team uh, heading into the strongest part of the bills. It's their secondary. Now the cornerback position got a little bit more settled this week with the retirement news uh, that Ike Brown was stepping away uh, from football, that he was retiring. He was one of the spots I was fascinated to see what he would bring to the table at the cornerbacks, because there's really not a lot of competition at this position anymore. In my opinion, Brian Allen, the Bills signed over to a, a deal for competition to, for depth to the roster. I'm not quite sure what he brings to this equation, where he fits in is a camp body. You, so you don't think he has any chance of making the roster? None whatsoever. Good. I think we're in agreement then because you know, he's somebody who just doesn't really seem to, he he's had some, some, uh, a cup of coffee or two, uh, for the NFL, he's played a little bit, but I don't think he's somebody when you compare, here's the, here's the situation with the cornerbacks. We know Trey white and Josh Norman and Levi Wallace and Taron Johnson are definitely making this team. I feel Sarad Neal is essentially a lock because of his special teams ability that he brings. And he does know the team. He knows the playbook he's proven. He can compete and bring some value at the cornerback spot as well. So if you're keeping six corners, it comes down to Dane Jackson and Cam Lewis for which one of those two is going to be uh, making the roster as the final corner back. And as much as Cam Lewis has had a great training camp, I don't feel like the bills are, we said this earlier when it came to cutting guys who are draft picks this year versus previous years. 
I feel like Dane Jackson has the edge because the Bills invested, even though it's a seventh rounder, they still drafted him this year, meaning they like him this year. So I'm going to give my nod to Dane Jackson over Cam Lewis. I'm in 100% agreement. And this is one of the years where keeping a player is going to be easier because there's not game film out there from the preseason. And I think because of that, there's a, a good chance that Cam Lewis can get snuck through to the to the practice squad. Now, as much drama, Jamie, as we've had on our roster projections, the most drama-free position is a safety spot. I, oh my God, right? There, I mean, we don't even need to waste any time, in my opinion. There's no... Josh Thomas is not making the roster. It's Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Dean Marlowe, and Jaquan Johnson. End of story. Boom. Yep. An open and shut case right there. There's They brought in so little competition, and these guys have performed at such a high level. No doubt about it. And Jaquan Johnson is going to end up, even though they like him, he's going to end up inactive most weeks because if Saran Neal is on the active roster, he can also move back to safety. So, yeah. They're just going to quietly develop him in the background and use the the veterans week in and week out. So we got through, again, the easiest, least dramatic part of the roster. I was looking forward, Jamie, to having some spirited debate about the special teams, whether Steven Hauschka or Tyler Bass and whether Corey Bajorquez or Corey Vedvik or Lachlan Edwards. Let's take a moment of silence, by the way, for the R.I.P., the end of the Lachlan Edwards era in Buffalo, eight strong, glorious days for the former Australian football player who is now cut by the Bills. There's there's no there's no drama. It's the rookie Tyler Bass is going to be your place kicker. Corey Bajorquez gets another shot to be your punter. What did you make, Jamie, of the fact that the Bills kept the sixth rounder Bass over the veteran Hauschka? Well, let me start by saying I just poured some of my coffee out for our fallen punter, Lachlan. <laughs> Lachlan, we uh, hardly knew you. Is it even Lachlan or Lachlan? I don't even know. I don't know. Um, what do I make of Tyler Bass taking the job that it was for salary cap purposes? It Based on what they've done, it, does, it doesn't really seem like there's that much additional value that he brings to the table being less accurate from inside of 50, 50 yards than Steven Hauschka, but the ability to make kicks from beyond 50, I, it's probably all going to come out in the wash. So Corey Bajorquez then making the team, he's actually had a really good camp for some reason after being incredibly inconsistent to say the least last year. But then the the question, uh, I mean, Reed Ferguson was going to make, was going to make the roster as the long snapper. But then the question becomes the two people that they have kicking right now, are they going to be the kickers at the end of the year? That's the only question I have. Are, are they going to play themselves out of a job? It's entirely possible. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where I, I don't know. I could see the Bills. The Bills are clearly not committed long-term to Corey Bajorquez. If they're bringing in guys off the street and guys who are former seventh rounders, they're looking to solidify this position. We all saw how bad Bajorquez performed in the Patriots game, especially when he and the whole special teams unit basically forgot to recognize there's an extra blocker on the left side that resulted in a blocked punt for a touchdown for New England. He can perform well in spots. I don't think he's the answer at punter. So I think that there could definitely be some other guys brought in at some point, maybe some cap casualties or guys cut during the training camp that Buffalo brings in for a long, hard look. And you're right. Reed Ferguson 
is about as much of a lock as there possibly is on this roster, given the fact that he has just been the long snapper forever. So he will round out the special teams unit. Jamie, it's hard to believe we've been going at this now and we have nearly an hour's worth of content and I still have some questions, but I think we've done a really good job breaking down the 53 man roster before we go to our last in last out, who were the guys that were the, you know, the ones on the bubble, what was your toughest decision about this process? Is there one player that was really the hardest to leave in or leave out? Um, yeah, I think it was probably Voshan Joseph. Um, leaving him out was probably the toughest because I really believe in his athletic ability. And when we were talking about the draft a few months ago, one of the issues that I had was not with the individual players that the Bills selected, but top to bottom, they didn't really put a premium on athleticism in speed and quickness. Well, quickness, but speed, strength, all the rest of it. And he brings all of those things. The kind of guy that I like to get on the roster, if nothing else, make him a special teams demon. Um, And then Isaiah McKenzie was a tough one for me to leave off, as was uh, Vincent Taylor. Yeah, those those are Vincent Taylor to me was actually one of the ones I struggled with um, what to do with him and his positional versatility. I think that Isaiah McKenzie was also a very hard one to, to kind of figure out because I know how much he means to Brian Dable in the offense. But it was a it was tough. It was a difficult decision. And we've gone through the 53 man roster, though. We've had a lot of, I think, valuable conversation points about what Buffalo is going to do with their roster. Do you want to share, Jamie, your last three in and your first three out for uh, for your roster? Okay, the the last five in were Evan Bame, Ryan Bates, and uh, Corey Thompson. My first five out were Voshan Joseph. Well, I said five, but it's three. Um, Isaiah McKenzie, Voshan Joseph, and Vincent Taylor. All right, those are good selections there. My last three in to make the roster were Davis Webb, Reggie Gilliam, and Tyrell Dodson. And my first three out were Duke William, or sorry, Isaiah McKenzie, Trent Murphy, and Ike Botker. Those are my ones I really had being on the cusp of making the roster, and I just didn't quite find a find a home this year. Jamie, this has been a fun exercise. Uh, how do you feel? How do you feel now that we've put our rosters together? I'm feeling pretty good, guy. I feel like these are going to be some some competitive players that we've got out on the field. First of all, I'm not your buddy guy. Well, I'm not your friend, buddy. I'm not your guy friend. We could go on and on with this forever. Cue to the South park fans out there, but you know, it was, uh, I'm ready to play uh, football starts in two weeks. There's our 53 man rosters. Who's in, who's out the controversial picks. Please give your feedback to our podcast by commenting either on the article on Buffalo rumblings.com or on social media. Jamie, uh, the new host of Jamie and Big Newt, uh, Jamie D and Big Newt. You can find him at the Jamie D'Amico on Twitter. You can find myself at John Boccasino. And uh, Jamie, thanks as always for bringing it. Man, you brought it strong today, buddy, as always. Always a pleasure here talking Buffalo Bills football here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. We'll be back next week talking more Buffalo Bills football.